everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a return guest. Always a delight to have him around. Guest, tell our listeners who you are. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Matt Wilkie from ToughPigs.com. Happy to be back, guys. Always a thrill to have you. Thanks for being back. So uh, today, Matt is joining us to talk about minutes 43 and 44 of The Muppets Take Manhattan. In these minutes, Kermit and Liza Minnelli both go to Sardi's restaurant. (laughs) So we start out with Kermit walking in wearing his giant coat, (laughs) which we we saw Kermit's giant coat briefly last time. But here we really get to revel in it. He walks in, he's strutting in. He's he's like so proud of himself. Yeah, he's he says, doing that. You, you were just you were just sort of uh, imitating his walk, which, which is very makes... funny. Like it's just a stride. He's 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 walking with a very confident stride. Glides in. Well, it's, it's a very confident stride. Like he seems he seems like this character. Whereas, like I feel like the Buffalo Lenny Sacco Lenny character did not seem to inspire confidence in him. For the most part, like no, you, could, and you could kind of feel the flop sweat. Yeah, maybe he learned one. from that experience. Maybe he uh, he he kind of uh, read up on I don't know improv or, or developing characters or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that that seems likely. And it and it's 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 funny because he really does embody both of those characters. So he's playing to what those characters would do. Like Lenny comes in and um, he's like like doing it really fast and qu- or excuse me no he's not lenny he's talking to lenny but he's doing it like fast and quick he's getting that elevator pitch out it's like 30 seconds in out he's done but this character has to be around people the whole time so he's really embodying it he's walking around i love there's like this moment um where like his voice cracks a little bit when he's like can i take your coat and he goes no and like, yeah. you can hear the cl- like that's really kermit in there and then like the way Right after that, right before he lets the rats out, when he leans back and he's looking around and then he gets like really nervous and he's looking around like really quickly, <laughs> looking around. And then, and then he goes under and he lets the rats out. And it's, it's just like that moment of like, you can tell it's, it's a puppet still. And that's what's wild about. That's why we love Muppets is because they can take those moments and you're like, that's not Kermit anymore. He's playing a character, but now it's Kermit again. And we can tell just by the way he moves. Yeah, right. You're, right. you're absolutely right. Jim Henson is like investing his like Jim Henson is doing a performance as Kermit and Kermit is doing a performance as this other guy. And and Jim keeps them two distinct things, right. which is kind of incredible. Yeah, and he can shift back and forth like that. Um and um yeah, so before before Kermit lets the rats out, he, the Mater D has to take his coat, like like Matt mentioned. And Kermit first squeaks out that no, and then corrects it to, that is, no, thank you very much indeed. No, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> there it is. Which, like, to me, he sounds... Do you, do you both know the, the Monty Python sketch, Upper Class Twit of the Year? Yes. Yes, yeah. That, that's what he sounds like to me here. Mm, like, he's yes. doing this, like, like Graham Chapman fancy pants voice. Or <laughs> yeah, something. I guess so. You, you know? Yeah. And it's really funny. I love it. Yeah, it works. Um, but of course, Kermit doesn't want to keep his coat for fashion reasons. He wants to let the rats out. <laughs> so he, like Matt mentioned, he ducks under the table to let the rats out from under his coat, which is, you're right, Matt. It's such a great, smooth bit of puppetry, the way that Kermit looks around and then does it. It's, he, it's 
gorgeous. He, I mean, it's a big coat, but wow, he really fit all five of those rats in, in that coat. Huh? <laughs> well, and we'll see all five of those rats and a pretty large painting. Like, oh right, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has the painting under his coat as well. The so. picture is in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will note so it's that a lot. in the March 7th, 1983 draft of the screenplay, he had the rats inside a briefcase. They were not in his coat. But I assume that it would be, from a puppetry standpoint, probably more challenging to get five rats to come like bounding out of a briefcase than to just have them kind of slip out from under the coat. Right. Also, I don't think it's as funny of a visual. Like Kermit with this giant coat on is is great. Yes. Whereas Kermit carrying a briefcase would just look like Kermit, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I think he would probably still be wearing the same costume. But well, and yeah, in that case, it's like if he's wearing a coat, why not have the rats come out of the coat? So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, Kermit lets all the rats out. Chester sneezes immediately, which <laughs> I was thinking about this. I didn't. I didn't think about it until now. This is the third time we've seen Chester sneeze. And we'll see him sneeze again. They really want that to be a thing. And I've never heard anyone talk about it, right? Like, no one, when (laughs) discussing this movie, is like, I love that rat who sneezes all the time. That's true. (laughs) He didn't really become like a... And we never really saw him after this movie. So the sneezing rat didn't become anyone's favorite character. It would have made made for a good toy, though. They should have done that, where they squeeze it and it sneezes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd buy it. They still I'd, buy it. I'd, I'd buy it right now, you know. Let me let me yeah. call Palisades or or uh, Diamond yeah, Select. Diamond Select, yeah. Yeah. Let's get Diamond Select on the horn. Tell them to make a sneezing Chester the yeah, Rat they, toy. They could barely sell enough toys to get us a complete electric mayhem. They're definitely going to want to make the sneezing rat. They should do every rat that's ever been in a Muppet production one at a time. And that's the whole line. <laughs> one at it's a time. Chester... It's Chester, then it's Bubba, then it's Buzz the Wharf Rat. Yeah, the whole the whole gang. Wanted uh, the Mr. Um, and Mrs. Plagueman from uh, Muppet Treasure Island would be sold separately. Also, <laughs> I would I would love. I don't know. I I collect action figures, and and the big thing right now is the build a figure where like you buy a couple. So do you think for this one it would be you buy the rats and each part comes with a piece of the coat and you have to build Kermit's coat. <laughs> Sure. That, that, that's so exciting. Would... Who doesn't want to just build a coat piece by piece? <laughs> <laughs> and it also comes with the mustache to put on your Kermit. Like the coat, uh, the mustache is one of the parts. Perfect. Now you're talking. I, I think we should do it. I think we should pitch it. Speaking um, of costume accessories, um, I have uh, something I, I noticed that I guess I get, hadn't any other time I watched this is that the rats are all wearing masks. Did well, you guys notice that? Yeah, so I noticed that they all have like uh, some some sort of equipment that they never seem to use. Like uh, Rizzo has a rope, like uh, sort of slung over his shoulder, and it looks like he has maybe a tiny pickaxe and some other little tools. And yeah, all of them have these sort of accessories or equipment that then they never end up using for anything. So I'm not sure what that's about. Yeah, I, w- I wonder was- if it was like. Oh, I'm sorry, Anthony. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say those would be ideal pack-ins for their action figures. But there you go. There you go. Um, I wonder if that sequence was longer and they were like trying to do more things like maybe go into the vents or something like that. Um, I didn't notice the other equipment, but the masks stuck out to me because I thought to myself, why would the rats need to hide who they are? (laughs) 
it just wrecked. <laughs> right? it's yeah. Not, it's not like they're going to get a, a police lineup and, later of them and they had to be in disguise. <laughs> yeah. So they don't get, yeah. Um, I'm looking at it now. I had not noticed that even watching this, you know, this clip uh, many it's, times. It's very small. They're, they're like little gray right over the eyeballs. Sort of like in this, in like, the style of the Ninja Turtles masks. Like yeah, kind of tied yeah. just around that part of the top of their head. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. You know, wow, I didn't notice funny. either. It's, but they also have very tiny heads. That like, is true. Yes. I think that's why I didn't you know? notice. Yeah. <laughs> huh. That's, you're, it's an interesting decision. I do wonder wh- how that happened and why it's, it makes so little impact on screen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wonder if they didn't even realize how little it would register until they'd shot it. You yeah. Know? Maybe. Or something. Huh. Yeah. It's curious. Yeah. So Kermit does not just have five rats under his coat. As we mentioned, he also has a caricature of himself. Because Sardis, like we mentioned last week, is famous for its caricatures on the wall of entertainment figures. So Kermit pulls out a caricature of himself, which um, is painted by Jenny in the movie. But I checked Muppet Wiki again today. We still don't know who the actual artist was. Yeah, no, I think this. I think Muppet Wiki people have tried to figure it out, but that's still unknown. That's kind of surprising to me. Yeah, that's too bad because it's, it's a it's great looking picture. They like, just what they should do is they should just crack it open and just look on the back and see if they signed it. <laughs> they should. <laughs> um, and speaking of, speaking of seeing it. Um, so the, the Kermit painting is still at Sardi's. You can see it. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Sardi's is open for, for dine-in right now during the pandemic, but um, when it is open for dine-in, you can see the Kermit portrait. It's on the wall upstairs by the bathroom. It is. And, I know this because I went there uh, with Ryan in 2013. We have and, I, there's a yeah, picture I went, I went somewhere there. of us posing in front of the, the Kermit picture. There's a photo. Yes. You, me, and Joe Hennis all yes. together, I believe. Yeah. What's on that? When did you go? The last time I was in New York City, which was, I want to say, 2018. Uh, somewhere around there, um, I went with my fiance and uh, Dave Holteen. We oh, met him nice. in the city, oh. and, and that's that. It just happened to be that where we were meeting was nearby, and I was like, you know, I've never done this, and Dave did me neither. Let's go do it. So we went, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Dave Voltine, and another Muppet fan friend of ours, whose uh, Muppet fan art would be familiar to anyone who frequents toughpegs.com. Right, right, and I think that's the thing. It's like you know, M- Muppet fans getting together in New York. At yeah. some point, you got to go to Sardi's and see the Kermit portrait. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why I picked this clip to talk about so so normally a little behind the scenes for listeners um i know with with the first muppet movie and with uh great muppet caper it was kind of just like you guys had had done a lot of people with just like plug and play like oh this is when we're free this is when you're free we'll do it um but for this one uh you asked me to pick a like a clip or like an area of the movie um so i really thought hard about that and that's why i picked this one because i was like this is one that um, I used to live in uh, Philadelphia and other parts of Pennsylvania. So I've been to New York a bunch of times, mm-hmm. but I never lived there. And um, even when I live on the West Coast now and I visit New York City, it's still like, like I still, every time I go, I feel like a tourist because I am, because I've never lived in there. Right. And I thought this would be a really fun place to talk about. Like when Muppet fans are tourists, this is like one of those Mecca like sites because it's something from a movie that our heroes worked on and is still around and is still 
in the place where the movie was. It's not in the same place. They moved it next to the bathrooms. <laughs> um, but I just think that's really special. And that's something that a lot of people um, don't get to do with their favorite movies. Like if you're like an animation fan, you can't just go. I mean, you can go to Cars Land in Disneyland. Yeah, but that's not um, where the movie Cars was filmed. Like to, yeah, to, yeah. To, to mention both a fancy restaurant and rats, you can't go to Gusteau's in Paris. Right. For there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so that's, that was, that was my intention behind this. And I'm glad that we all have our own little story of like, yeah, I went to Sardi's. I saw it. That's great. Yeah, it was. Um, I, my, my main memory of going to Sardi's though, is that my wife ordered beef tartare and it was an entire pound of beef tartare <laughs> and she did not eat it for lunch. And the waiter though, and the waiter, um, the waiter, <laughs> specifically called her out on it he was just like you didn't like it it wasn't good and she was just like no i'm just not that hungry did she (laughs) did she have some of it yeah she ate probably a quarter of it like you know a regular human-sized portion of meat human size yeah so yeah what's the big deal waiter yeah yeah i honestly could not tell you what i ordered or if it was good i don't it was it was some sort of sandwich i imagine Mm, that seems likely at lunchtime yes we we just went to see the picture we didn't even eat there we just oh, went we, in we said hey can we see the kermit and they were like oh. yeah go up the stairs oh, that's <laughs> fine. See, we could have done that we ate there though it was fun and it was um it was lunch on a weekday and it was n- it was pretty empty like, yeah there were no broadway stars uh no glamorous people dining at sardis that that afternoon right oh well oh well um but anyway so kermit does um put up his painting he takes down liza minnelli's portrait and we see um, Liza Minnelli, who will we will see Liza Minnelli in a few minutes. But um, Ryan, you did some detective work into trying to figure out whose portraits were on either side of hers. <laughs> yeah, what were you successful? Well, I tried. Um, yeah, so I I have wondered in the past who are these other guys. So you, there's one picture to the left of the Liza Minnelli drawing, and one to the right of it. Um, I have wondered who these guys are, but I've never actually really done any research or tried to find out. So I was trying to figure it out. I asked on social media if anyone had any ideas. Um, nothing. I, I don't have a... I'm not 100% certain about any of the answers, but it seems relatively likely, pretty likely, that uh, the guy on the left, uh, the consensus that was that he's probably Warren Caro. He was an executive of the Schubert Theatrical Organization and an executive director of the Theater Guild. Um, so, and he, if you look at pictures of him, he kind of looks like that drawing. Although, if you look at some of the, the, uh, caricatures that are up at Sardis, a lot of them don't really look that much like the person that they're supposed to. Um, so I guess this is within, uh, realistic expectations of looking like this guy Warren Caro, and then the guy on the right. Um, I'm more confident in saying that uh, this guy is likely to be the actor Bob Dishy. Um, he was in a bunch of movies and um, TV shows. I, he he never was like a really big star. He was just one of those guys who would be, um, you know, he showed up in guest roles 
and a lot of TV shows and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I told people on Facebook and Twitter that I would give them credit for helping me figure it out. So even though I'm not a hundred percent certain, I want to thank James Gillen, Kosmatka, Galen Fott, and Joe Hennis for uh, chiming in on that. Well, those are totally different than my guesses. Oh, really? Because, <laughs> because I also, I saw it on Twitter and I, and, uh, and I tweeted, I said, I have some guesses. I'm going to save them for when we record tonight. Um, so my guesses were, and I think you said this to Milton Burrow. Yes, the, the guy on the left kind of looks Burl. like Milton Burrow. But I mean, if you told me that it was supposed to be Milton Burrow, I would go, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. But doesn't really look like Milton Burrow. Yeah, when, when you start to look at it for a long time, you're like, well, yeah, but no. Um, yeah. And then the other guy, I had no idea. But the people that it looked like to me were funny. So I thought I'd mention them. So at first I thought it was young Elliot Gould. Okay. And then I looked closer and I was like, that's not it. And then I went, it kind of looks like Anthony Bourdain, but there's no way it's him because he would not <laughs> right. have been famous at the time. And then the other person that for a minute I thought it was, was Danny Houston, who was in. Sure, um, I, could, I could see that. Yeah, that was the most likely one to me. But then I went back and I said, well, he's been like, he didn't really pop until the 2000s. So mm. he didn't, he didn't really have anything there. Um so I was I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, but I, I wonder. I don't know for sure. Um, I also got a few guesses for Jimmy Stewart on the left. I guess like maybe Jimmy Stewart yeah. in nineteen eighty four looked like that when he had kind of gotten older. Yeah, that was that was the other part of it. Was I was trying to be like, all right, I have to put myself in this place in time and see like who's famous at that point. But yeah. then, like, like this is a uh, spoiler alert for a couple of seconds from now when we talk about it. But in, in that that one table next to them where the rats start out, there was a um a man named Milton Seaman, one of the actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the actors there who is just like famous for being in the air force at one point, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it says he was like, he did cameos in other movies too. So I was like, where are they picking these people from? <laughs> or right. like, like, is it just, and then like, and then I was going, like, I went a little down a rabbit hole of like, what is Sardis like? Like, do they have one caricaturist for everyone? Do they have different ones throughout the years? Do they have like, what's the criteria if you're yeah. like famous in New York City or everywhere? And the whole thing was just fascinating because it seems like they just like put up one picture and then it snowballed from there. Do you guys know the history of those pictures? I have read about it before, but I don't remember any of it i know that they've had like they they tend to kind of have one in-house caricaturist at a time right and then that person retires or moves on and then they, they that makes sense they bring in another one right that makes i have never everything i know about sardis i learned from this movie right. you know like, <laughs> yeah except going there i learned that the the um beef tartare portions are too big but everything else i learned <laughs> from this movie. <laughs> so um <laughs> And so should uh, should we move on? Um, yes, next- except to say that yeah. if anyone out there is more more confident than we are about the identity of those two uh, men in the pictures, please let us know, and I'll put a, an image of it in the show notes when I post this on the website. Absolutely. Um, and so, the, anyways, the rats do get to work as Kermit asked them to do. They start their whispering campaign. I love the touch that Yolanda tells Rizzo, "You start." Like, <laughs> 
Yolanda, which I, again, we've talked about how Yolanda in this movie is not the character from the 2015 TV show. True. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, because like the later, the, the Julianne Busher Yolanda would absolutely start, right? She'd be like whispering campaign all over the place. Yeah, she might like, this, she might push Rizzo aside to start. Yeah, she, she would. I could see her doing all of those things and then also demanding a producer's credit from Kermit. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but so then anyways, Rizzo does start and he says, isn't that the rich producer who's investing in Manhattan Melodies? <laughs> and Yolanda says, yes, he's investing millions of dollars. Millions and, of dollars. Uh, which I think Whisper Yolanda sounds more like Red Fraggle mm. than, than regular Yolanda does. Yeah. Like, it, it, especially there's the, the episode, um, The Minstrels, where Candace first comes to town. Mm-hmm. And the scene starts with Red saying, I'm going to be the first one in the pool today or whatever, whispering. <laughs> and that's on the soundtrack. So I hear it all the time. Oh. So I think that's why, because I'm used to hearing Red Fraggle whisper. Yeah, sure. Right? But um, anyway, so the rats are, are sins and, and it works. It works so well. People start saying, hmm, oh, Manhattan Melodies, what's that? Um, and at this specific table, a bald man says, hmm, Manhattan Melodies, what's that? Uh, this fellow is named Wade Barnes. And Matt, you mentioned, uh, what was his name? Oh, I Milton got it. Milton it was Seaman. seconds ago. and I Yeah, Milton Seaman. There we go. Milton Seaman, who was famous for being in the Air Force. Um, not to be confused with Gerald Airman, who was famous for being in the Navy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good, uh, but this guy sit, thank you this guy sitting at the same table is named wade barnes and he too just had this like weird fascinating career in in radio and theater yeah so i would recommend reading his muppet wiki page because like i don't even know how to sum it up he's just like another well, guy who was around yeah i i looked at his imdb bio he was a composer author a pianist and songwriter. He was a radio announcer in Cleveland, a consultant to the Ringling Brothers Circus. He composed uh, film scores for the National Science Foundation, including an exhibit at the 1964 World's Fair, which is very cool because I love the 1964 World's Fair. Um, And he also has a few other movie credits, including The Purple Rose of Cairo and a Rodney Dangerfield movie called Easy Money. So that's all right around the same time. Yeah, those Easy are within. Money's like eighty three. Yeah, right? uh, Purple Rose of Cairo is eighty five. Easy Money is eighty three. Yeah. So that was just you know it's funny because I was thinking he looked familiar, but he must just look familiar because I've seen this so many times. I think so. Yeah. You know? But what a career. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Like yeah. um, so, he looked. Yeah. So that he looked familiar to me, but because I was remembering things wrong, because what he looked like to me, speaking about Monty Python again was uh, Mr. Creosote from The Meaning of Life. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the big guy who just eats everything and then explodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's just because, like, it was around the same time and he was a fat guy that was, like, in my memory somewhere. Yeah, right. And it's in and, a fancy restaurant. Yeah, yeah. But, but, like, he's, like, Mr. Creosote has hair and this guy doesn't. So, like, it was a whole memory mishap on my part. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I can see it. Um, so anyways, I'm glad that this doesn't end with, uh, Wade Barnes exploding all over the dining room. I would hate that. I would hate that. Poor, poor Milton Seaman would be covered in, (laughs) covered in Wade. Yes. Um, so, um, the, the other person that we should mention is the woman with short gray hair who says a producer, dear, that's a big producer over there. Uh, that is Jane Hunt. That's Richard Hunt's mother. Yeah. Jane. Which is great. I love that Richard Hunt. Love because it. 
we've seen um, a few other like family members of Muppet performers in the movies, right? Uh, Jerry Nelson's daughter was in Great Muppet Caper. Right. Um, Heather I think Henson Melissa Whitmire was, was, was in this was one. In, Heather Henson was in this oh, yeah, one. I think yeah, uh, Melissa, Melissa Whitmire. Whitmire was was in the crowd in this one too. Yep. Uh, but this is, as far as I know, the only parent of any Muppet performer who has appeared in a Muppet movie. <laughs> I think that must be right. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, yeah. 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 So that's exciting. Like, I, I love that. I love that she's there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, 100% any one of us, if we could, would put our moms in a movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so then then people are just still, like, people go nuts. People get Manhattan Melody fever. They're just, they can't wait. Yeah, there's um, there are a few other uh, of these customers who are credited, but most of them don't have any information really about them that I could find uh, online. Uh, except there's right. one named Harriet Rawlings, who was also in a movie the same year called Zombie Island Massacre, in which she played a character named Ethel. So I'm very <laughs> curious now about Zombie Island Massacre from 1984. That's a strange name for a movie. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a B-movie from the 60s. It does. Totally yeah. does. Um. So, but then we get this great shot of Kermit, like framed by people excitedly whispering about Manhattan melodies while he just kind of sits there and soaks it in. Mm-hmm. There's some is, really, this scene, especially there's some really good framing of those shots. Yeah, for sure. Like that, that one, especially stood that, out. To me. That one's really good. And then, and then um, I'm sure you have this on your notes, but um, uh, we'll talk about it when Liza comes in. She has a really good frame too. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of which we can move on. Um, at right. this point, while, while everyone's going crazy. Oh, I also wanted to mention uh, how interesting it is that they're using Kermit's name here. We commented in the previous scene where he did the Bafo Sako bit that he never identified himself by name in that scene as that character. But here it's like he wants everyone to know that his name is Kermit the Frog, which you sure. well, it, it seems counterintuitive to me because he's pretending to be this like rich investor character who doesn't actually exist. And yet... Kermit the Frog is the writer and star of Manhattan Melodies. So if these people tell their friends and then somebody ends up investing in the show and they notice that it's the same name, I, I don't know. It just seems like uh, like he might get in trouble for that. Kermit doesn't know anything no. about how the business works. No, like, I, I think like he's, he's not. That. I think he's really bad at this, actually. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, that's, why, that, that's why it doesn't work. And like, And then... If he's using his real name again, why the disguises? This is this right, is right. That's what I'm saying. No. Yeah, why pretend yeah. to be somebody and then use his real name? Yeah, it's, well, it's, he wants it's, to it's, seem like he's already a big shot, so that people will be like, "Oh, the new hit from Kermit the Frog, producer, actor, writer, Kermit the right. Frog." Right, but then I if think, they invest and then they and then they, you know, the the show has a rehearsal, they're going to say, "Wait a minute, this is just some little frog. He doesn't even have a mustache." <laughs> would they, Would they then think that? his dad is also Kermit. Like he's Kermit Jr. Because then, then it's just nepotism. And it's like, well, yeah. why would we invest in this show when it's, <laughs> it's, it's the Ronnie situation, but with Kermit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Although right. Yeah. that, that could then be how he kind of would talk his way out of it. He'd be like, oh, oh yeah, my name is also Kermit the Frog. My dad is Kermit the Frog Sr. I'm Kermit the Frog Jr. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Mr. The Frog is my dad. Yeah. Please call me Kermit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and and speaking of well no let's that that transition doesn't work pretend I didn't say it um what what yeah no yeah speaking of nepotism Judy Garland's daughter Liza Minnelli comes walking <laughs> in um, 
Yeah, so Liza Minnelli herself, who we mentioned Kermit takes her portrait off the wall, comes walking in along with her date, played by David Laser, the producer of The Muppet Show, who we've mentioned. Oh, I missed that. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's old Rizal Evad Gibb himself. Yeah, what a very brief cameo. Amazing, amazing. I love love that it's him because, like, on The Muppet Show, he was, like, the liaison. He would show the celebrities around. He would tell them, like, this is how our sets work. This is how the puppeteers do their job. And so I I love that he's showing a celebrity around. He's, like, escorting Liza in. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Yeah. That's a really good point. This is your fork. This is where you pull your chair out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's never been there. Right. Um, But – clearly she has because on her way in it seems to me that she's she believes she's pausing in front of her caricature for effect and i yes. think it, she thinks that all the buzz is about her because she yeah, kind of yeah, right. she smiles she's, at everyone and just kind of goes oh hello yeah right. and that's yeah. that's why i love the 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 framing there because she stands like her head is covering exactly where kermit's is <laughs> And then she's she like when she turns around, that's when you see Kermit's again. So it's like, yeah, she thinks that she's going to turn around and see her own face. Yeah, right. I, that was really right. well done. Yeah. Um. And and sp- speaking of which, we we should backtrack a second because as we normally do with guests, we should do. Um. Ryan, who is Liza Minnelli? Who is Liza who's, Minnelli? Ryan, who's Liza Minnelli? Who is Liza Minnelli? <laughs> People are asking, who is Liza Minnelli? Everyone's asking her all, all around the club. She's an actor, a singer, and a dancer who won yes. an Oscar for the movie musical version of Cabaret. Yes, she did not win an Oscar for the movie Arthur, but she should have because it rules and she's great in it. She was. I, I have um, never seen the Arthurs all the way through, but she's in both of them. I, I kind of don't know if it's too late. Maybe no. like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I loved it in high school, um, but she was on the Muppet Show also. She was. She's a guest star in season four. You can she, watch her episode on disney plus it's in the it's the murder mystery episode which is very uh different and and fun and, to watch and by coincidence it's the review that i did for that season so oh. that's oh nice yeah. so so i know that episode well and i love her death is one of the funniest things to me and i still quote her all the time because when she she's like dying so uh, uh, bye-bye and, <laughs> and the way she says it is so weird and so funny i love it so much yeah that's good um yeah so so as this when as we're recording this the muppet show is not yet on disney plus but for our listeners in the future it is so go watch that episode season four and then read matt's review on toughpigs.com yes yes do all those things and then you can tweet at me and tell me your favorite way of dying (laughs) please do that (laughs) um so anyways liza minnelli is she, like Matt mentioned, she's surprised to not see her own face on the wall. And she calls Vincent over to ask, did I do something wrong? Uh, Vincent is, of course, Vincent Sardi Jr., the owner and manager of Sardi's Restaurant. That's really and him. He, and you know it's not senior because he doesn't have the mustache. All dads have the mustache. Right. <laughs> That's right. Um, and he's bald just like Kermit. So <laughs> another another similarity. Um but so the restaurant was founded by his dad, but but Vincent Jr. kind of made it into the Broadway institution that it was in 1984 and continues to be today. Um, so he's really like, I don't know. I think it's fun that they have him in here and never identify him by his last name. Yeah, it's interesting. Just he's just Vincent. The audience, 
yeah, the audience will be like, oh, that's the Sardis guy. I mean, I guess I, I don't know when I first uh, learned that it was actually Vincent Sardi who owned the restaurant, but you can kind of use context clues to realize that this is somebody who works at the restaurant or is important to the restaurant. Right, right. And he, I will note that he died in 2007 at the age of 91. Wow. So he lived, he lived quite a long life, yeah. Um, is but, is there a Vincent Sardi third now taking over the restaurant? You know, I don't, good question. I don't know. I don't know who's in charge of Sardi's right now. I don't, well, Probably, I, I mean, we may have talked about it last week. Nobody knows. We may have. We should look it up. We should look it up when we... We should go back in time, uh, and then we will know if we have <laughs> talked about it last week. Yes. Um, anyways, the uh, the next thing that happens is Yolanda smells some food and says, gee, that food smells good up there. Rizzo agrees. He says, I'm starving. And then they head to the does. tables, and people... Yeah, Rizzo, that's all he does, bro. He has attitude. He chomps down any food in sight. He's just loves wearing there. his hat backwards. That's all he's about. <laughs> backwards. Um, so then they head up to the tables and people start to freak out. And that's, that's where we end people just starting to freak out. So that brings us down to the end. Any, any other thoughts about these two minutes before we close, Matt, I'll start with you. Come back to me. I, ha- I right. had something a second ago. So let me think about it. All right. Ryan, any other thoughts? Uh, well, I did want to mention that Liza Minnelli is the first, First of a just a few Muppet Show guest stars in this movie. Um, you and I were talking about that off uh, mic the other day. Um, well, there are there are three in this one. Only three, yeah. But it, so it's kind of it seems kind of surprising that it took this long to get to one of them. But she is right. the first one to appear in the movie, right? But there were only two in Great Muppet Caper, right? Uh, John Cleese and yeah, I guess Peter that's Rustin, right. Though. I guess yeah, the the one with. The one that's loaded with Muppet Show guest stars is the Muppet Movie. So, but um, yeah, the Muppet Movie has like eight or something, right? Right. It's yeah, we were counting them off. Uh, <laughs> we counted them at the time. Go yes. back and listen to our season on the Muppet Movie. <laughs> Go back, listen to the whole season. Uh, by, the by only the, way, you the, ever know. By the time this episode comes out, I think I'll have an article up on Tough Pigs about people like um, in in preparation for the Muppet Show on Disney Plus. Um, an episode of people who are now available on Disney Plus that worked with Muppets that you can oh, see. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great. Everyone so that, read that too. I'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. And, and maybe I can explain it better when I actually write. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then another thing in the March 7th, 1983 draft, uh, the picture is not specified to be a picture of Liza Minnelli. The stage directions say it's a picture of Dustin Hoffman. Although it notes that it could be a star of equal stature. Uh, so presumably they at one point thought they were going to get Dustin Hoffman to play this part that Liza Minnelli does. Although uh, when I interviewed David Mish, who worked on the script for this movie, he's credited as like a creative consultant or something like that. He mentioned a different cameo that they had in mind for Dustin Hoffman. He said Hoffman was going to play a Broadway producer and plan to do an imitation of legendary film producer, Robert Evans who produced The Godfather, which he later did in the movie Wag the Dog. At the last minute, Hoffman decided it might be offensive to Evans and dropped out, following which all the other big names they had lined up dropped out as well. So uh, that's interesting. And I guess I don't know if he was going to play a producer that got cut from the movie, the movie or 
I don't know. It's just interesting that uh, Dustin Hoffman might have played himself or might have played a producer and then ultimately didn't play anybody in this movie. Interesting that you, that you say he was afraid of like offending Robert Evans because there are like a million people who do Robert Evans impressions. <laughs> I, yeah, like, Robert Downey so. Jr. has one. I've seen it like everywhere. <laughs> but were they doing these impressions like on screen in a major motion picture in 1984? I guess not. Maybe not. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. But I also. I also think it's funny. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But I also think it's really funny that, according to the team, that Liza Minnelli and Dustin Hoffman are on an equal level. Well, that right, are- right, because the stage direction said a star of equal stature, and I guess, yeah, I, I, I mean, mean I, I guess it's up for debate I, in 1984. I don't know. I, yeah, I think that's fair. She's an Oscar winner. Yeah, it's true. You know, I mean, like we we mentioned Arthur. That's only a couple years old when they shot this. That was yeah. a big hit. Yeah, no, you know? no shame, no shame meant there. I just, I just think it's interesting that that that's who they saw and then who they ended up with because they're very different in a lot of ways. Yeah, they're very different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very different uh, types of performers and celebrities. Yeah, right. Um. We should mention that Kermit did work with Dustin Hoffman many years later in Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Oh, boy. Greatest Kermit, movie of all time. Where Kermit just uh, does some shopping <laughs> at the titular Emporium. Uh, talk about him. weird cameos. <laughs> yes, it's very weird. And when I say it, that's literally all Kermit does in the movie, is they just show him pushing a shopping cart, and he says, just shopping, <laughs> just doing some shopping, or something like that. I've never that's, actually that's it, yeah. seen it. Yeah. I've, I've never seen the movie. You saw it, Matt? I've seen the full movie. I saw it in theaters. That's wow. um, how much I was. I was actually expecting it to be like a new Willy Wonka type of thing. Like I thought this was going to be a really good movie. I don't you know why. On the ground floor of a of a new class. I was like, yes, I need to get in on this. And then I saw the cameo, and I was losing my mind. Because oh, you weren't expecting cared. it. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Wow. Nobody else. So, so I have the opposite thing where I went in to a movie to see a movie. And then saw a Kermit cameo, and everybody else in the world said, "I am never seeing that movie. I'm just going to watch the clip on YouTube." Yes, right, uh, that's what I did. Our, mm-hmm. our friend, who we previously mentioned, uh, Joe Hennis, wrote an article about the movie at the time. I believe the title was "Mr. McAllister's Wonder Disaster." <laughs> not, a, not, not a beloved movie. Not at all. No. <laughs> right. Um. No. Yeah. Now I think I, I think we should do it two minutes at a time, though, because oh, okay, let's do it. It technically qualifies as a Muppet movie. Yeah, you just you know, do that part. Just do one one bonus episode on Kermit's ten second cameo. We probably could and should. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you can hear me right now, I want you to tweet at at Ryan and at Tough Pigs <laughs> and at myself. Hashtag cover the Wonder Emporium. <laughs> If we if we get a significant number of people who actually do that, then I would consider doing like you heard it here first a, a bonus episode about Kermit's cameo, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we could. It's just also so short, right? Right. That like, like what I said to just that's it. That's the whole cameo. Yeah. Like, there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah, we have to think about that. Yeah. Anyways, it's, so, to, it's so low stakes that it would be a blast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it, that's right. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have you back so that you can talk about your whole experience. I would love to. All right. Um, so that brings us down to the end of another one. Unless, Matt, did you think of any any other notes I, before? I didn't think of it. I had something earlier, and I'm sure I'll think of it in a week. And I'll, I'll right. tweet it out with the hashtag, 
cover right. the Wonder Emporium. The jerk store called, well, and they're and, running out of you. Ah! And speaking of in a week, you'll be back with us next week. So, listeners, join us then when we will talk about the next ones. But for now, you can check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter. We're all over the place. You can email us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com. Our theme music was written by Stacy Rosen. Our logo was created by Morgan Davey. And listeners, please, what you can do for us is give us a positive review on your podcatcher of choice and tell every single person you know to listen to Moving Right Along. And join us again next week for another episode. Goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>